In the end, everything connects. In a time when so many are talking about the divisions, I want to spend time and energy celebrating and singing about the ways we come together, not just blending, but in an alchemical way, bringing our unique gifts together to make something new. Do you remember learning about the Venn diagram in school where there would be two groups represented by two circles and then they would overlap in what created an almond shape at the center? Well, that shape is referred to as the mandorla. And that is where I will meet you. That is where I was born. That is where I love to play. That is where I live. I am a sensualist, a person given to the indulgence of the senses or appetites. When my senses are engaged, I feel most alive. Knowing this about myself and seeking to live the most alive life I can muster, I am pulled to those experiences that encourage all five senses to arrive. Those experiences where all five senses get to play with abandoned. Here, I'm imagining not two circles coming together to form a mandorla, but five, one for each of the five senses. How the circles have to snuggle in tight so they can all overlap. Can you imagine a place or a time where this happens for you? A tried and true one comes immediately to mind for me. I started playing piano in the first grade. The first piano teacher wasn't the best match, but by third grade, I had been matched with a different teacher, Mrs. Feely, who, although she lived much farther away, was an instant and true connection for me. We worked and played together for the following nine years until I graduated from high school. She taught piano using the Suzuki method, which is a way of learning piano that first employs the student's ears. I had an audio tape, which had all the Suzuki pieces in the first book recorded onto it. And I listened and listened to it until they were familiar. When I came to the piano to play, I would hear if I missed a note and adjust. Mrs. Feely didn't have to correct me. She trusted my ears and smiled as I'd correct until it sounded like the pieces on the tapes sounded. My ears in training, I also began to make the connection about the sound of the notes having something to do with the length of the strings that were being struck within the piano. The shorter the string, the higher the note. The longer the string, the lower the note. Here I was beginning with one note and beginning with one sense, hearing. Sight. My lessons took place at Mrs. Feeling's home. We'd meet in her living room, the walls covered in floor-to-ceiling windows and shelves of books, hymnals, and piano music books, filing cabinets filled with photocopied pieces of music, a photocopier over by the door to the kitchen, an overstuffed couch where my parents or a friend could sit if they came in for the lesson, and a grand piano. When I'd walk over to it, I could see inside at all the hardware that makes up the grand instrument, the knobs, the felt hammers, the wooden sounding board, and the many, many strings. The Suzuki method was a way to begin to have a relationship with piano playing. After the hearing had been honed, it was time to learn to sight read. The goal here was that 
<clears throat> any piece of music could be put in front of you and you could pretty well play it. It's just like when someone gets proficient enough at reading letters and words, you can put any piece of writing in front of them and they can read it out loud. Now, they may stumble on a word here or there, but they can make it through. As Maria von Trapp sings in The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. I learned what different notes look like on written music. I learned about flats and sharps and the timing given to certain notes. It truly is an alphabet of its own. So sight reading on the piano meant that I might stumble over a section or two, but could basically play the song set in front of me. Mrs. Feely told me hymns were some of the hardest pieces for this because they had four moving parts in each chord. Oh, did and does my brain love this challenge to be looking ahead to the next and the next chord while being present in the way I was making the notes sound. Touch. Serious pianists should really keep their fingernails clipped so that they have the most access for pressing the keys down. There is a distinct feeling of fingers on piano keys. There is a smooth coolness to the keys, and yet you can also feel the potential sitting right there. All it takes is to press one down and what glories might be unleashed. You learn about how it sounds when you bang on the keys and how it sounds when you have to touch them as lightly as possible to get the best trill. Because I practiced on my own piano at home, I learned right away that different pianos have different touches. My piano was newer than Mrs. Feely's, and it was played by many fewer hands than hers. So my piano's keys were actually harder to press than hers. It was always important to practice a performance piece on the piano I'd be using in performance, just to see what its touch was like so as not to be caught off guard. Not only was I touching keys, I was physically being touched by the music I was making as it came back into my ears. Vibrating my eardrums, creating a physical felt sensation of movement deep in my skull. Have you ever had an ear infection? It's a surprisingly painful experience, maybe especially as an adult. If your eardrum bursts, you're really in for it. But the sounds of harmonized or in-tune music, I imagine to be the exact opposite of that, like a sweet and loving massage for that eardrum. Legend had it that Mrs. Feely had at least eight cats living at her house. And when I'd be playing a piece for her and one would jump up on the keyboard to investigate those curious beings, she'd laugh and exclaim, well, you can be sure that won't happen if you're ever playing in a concert. If you can play through a cat jumping up, you can play through anything. When one of her many cats would consider taking a nap inside the piano, the notes attached to the strings under the napping cat would be muted, dulled, until she'd shoo it away. Then those strings could ring unimpeded again. Oh, the sound of those strings vibrating without hindrance. It was as though they were made for that for indeed they were. We're like that too, as I see it. We're meant to be struck with felted hammers and to vibrate in response to those instigations, to let our notes sing and float through the air until they bump into someone else's ears. Scent. 
Maybe this is obvious, but it's really important to remember to breathe while playing the piano. There might be a section where it's a little trickier and you hold your breath thinking that might help, but trust me, it doesn't. Just like getting a good rhythm of breath when you're out for a run or in meditation, to have awareness of breath while playing piano only adds to the sweetness of it. And of course, when you breathe, you also catch the scents. I have played piano in many places, and each one has a scent attached to it. In Mrs. Feely's living room, the scent of her supper being cooked coming in from the kitchen. In the lodge of the dude ranch where I worked, the scent of the fireplace and the damp cowboy boots. In the music room of Taliesin West, which was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright as his winter home, the scent of an unusual rainstorm in the desert. And in the living room where I grew up, the scent of the Christmas tree close enough to touch while playing. A practiced pianist can also pick up on scents of pipe smoke, perfumes, and ocean air on pianos that have sat for years in a room with those bedfellows. They can smell the inner workings of the piano, the felt on the hammers, the wooden scent that is released when keys are pressed, and of course, the scent of the paper of the old hymnal or worn book of Mozart's sonatas. Taste. There has been a post-it note tacked to the microwave in the kitchen I grew up in for as long as I can remember that says, only practice on the days you eat. As someone who has played piano for over 30 years, there's something I can hear, even in recordings of other people playing the piano that is hard to put words to, but it's something of a sensing of a deeply sensual connection, meaning the pianist is using more than one sense as they play. They are engaging with the piece and the piano with their fingers and touch, with their ears and the soundings, with their eyes and the spacing of the keys and the marking of the music and the scent of the room in which they're playing. But maybe they can also taste the piece after all, they've chewed it over and over and swallowed it, digested it, and integrated it, and now they are letting it come forth through them. I'll bet there are pieces of music that leave a taste in your mouth, ones that fill you up, ones that leave you thirsting for more. Where I live now, I keep a piano in the kitchen. It doesn't get played every day, but sometimes when someone else is cooking, I can sit down and feed myself in the way that only playing the piano feeds me. The integration. Mandorla, where things seemingly disconnected come together and overlap to create something new, something richer and more realized. All five senses coming together in this one act, this one experience of playing the piano. I made my way through the Suzuki books with Mrs. Feely at my right side. Sometimes I'd come into a lesson wanting to learn a pop song or a hymn or another classical piece. No matter where my tastes moved and evolved, she just kept the music coming and she kept trusting my way. I know there were weeks when I didn't practice as much as she'd have liked, but she wasn't one for scolding. Instead, she'd say, how does it feel? Play it with feeling. I learned how much easier it was to play with feeling when I had the piece memorized when I had looked at the notes on the pages enough to dream of them and played it enough times over and over that my fingers could play it on my desk at school. The piece would then become a part of me, 
me and the piece overlapping into a sweet mandorla. And the familiar touch of the piano would come together with the unique sense of the experience. When the piece was integrated into my deepest self, I could really begin to play within the piece. I could slow down sections that asked me to slow them down and I could lean into the trills of notes warbling back and forth until I landed on the final note with subtlety and confidence. I knew which parts wanted to be louder or softer and when to play an octave higher for an echoing effect or lower to haunt my listeners. When I play with feeling, as Mrs. Feely encouraged all those years ago, I'm playing with all of my feelings, all of my senses. When I play with feeling, I can then play the piano intuitively. I can allow myself to affect the pieces. Now we, the piece of music and I, can become something else altogether. In certain recordings or live performances, I can feel that all of the pianist is there with the music, interacting with and being changed by it all five senses present and accounted for. That is what this kind of mandorla experience can bring to all of us. It can invite us to all be sensualists. For when we agree to let the overlap of the senses or different ideas or experiences to come together, we will find new ways of being that feel like a good growing stretch to our brains and bodies and souls and spirits. Begin with a note. It is all ahead of you.